Welcome to the History of Christianity, Episode 1. The purpose of this series is to look at the history of Christianity from the very beginning to modern times. I need to make my own bias clear. I am a Christian who believes that the Bible is reliable and that Jesus is the Son of God who really rose from the dead. If you're looking for a purely naturalistic history, this series is not for you. So let's get going. When we look at the history of Christianity, it's difficult to decide on where to start. A good argument could be made for starting with the Old Testament, as so much of the New Testament is steeped in the Hebrew Scriptures. Another good argument could be made for starting with the pre-incarnate Son of God, as described in John 1. I'm sure there are plenty of other starting points as well. I've decided to begin with John the Baptist. My reason for this is that he is portrayed as being the conclusion of the Old Testament era, even though he doesn't appear until the New Testament. When Jesus makes the statement, I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. This is from Luke 7, 28. He seems to be indicating that there has been some sort of shift in theological history. So what do we know about John the Baptist? Luke 1 gives us the earliest background of John. He's the son of Zechariah, a priest, and Elizabeth, who is related in some way to Mary, the mother of Jesus. Zechariah and Elizabeth were old and childless. This is a theme found throughout the Old Testament. The angel Gabriel appeared to Zechariah and announced that his wife was going to give birth to a son. Unlike Abraham, who believed the prophecy of a baby being conceived, Zechariah questioned the angel, and he lost the ability to speak as a sign. He did not receive his speech back until John was born. At one point, the pregnant Elizabeth and the pregnant Mary met. John, although still an unborn baby, seemed to recognize Jesus and jumped in the womb, giving what is possibly a prenatal prophecy. This event pointed to the role of John in adulthood. Like Jesus, we don't really know much about John's younger years. There's been speculation that he spent time with the Qumran sect responsible for the Dead Sea Scrolls, but there's not much evidence for this. We next find John in his preaching and baptizing ministry at the Jordan River. There was a form of baptism within Judaism, but it was for Gentile converts coming into Judaism. So John's call for Jews to be baptized was quite radical and even offensive depending on your perspective. However, the people responded positively. John even baptized his relative Jesus, although we'll go into that in more detail when we look at Jesus. Eventually, John got into trouble with Herod Antipas. Antipas, who was one of the sons of Herod the Great, ruled Galilee and Perea for the Roman Empire. According to the New Testament, the trouble resulted in John's criticism of Antipas's marriage to Herodias. Antipas had divorced his first wife and married Herodias, who had been the wife of Antipas's half-brother, Herod II. Antipas did not appreciate John's public comments on this arrangement and had him arrested. One of the interesting things about John is that we have some independent historical sources about his life outside of the New Testament. Josephus was a first-century Jewish historian who also mentions Jesus and Jesus' half-brother, James. Josephus records an independent but compatible account of John's arrest. This is the account by Josephus as found in his Antiquities of the Jews. 
Now, some of the Jews thought that the destruction of Herod's army came from God, and that very justly, as a punishment of what he did against John, it was called the Baptist. For Herod slew him, who was a good man, and commanded the Jews irate, both as to righteousness towards one another and piety towards God, and so to come to baptism, for that the washing with water would be acceptable to him if they made use of it, not in order to the putting away or the remission of sins only, but for the purification of the body, supposing still that the soul was thoroughly purified beforehand by righteousness. Now when many others came in, crowds about him, for they were very greatly moved or pleased by the hearing of his words. Herod, who feared lest the great influence of John had over the people, might put into his power an inclination to raise a rebellion, for they seemed ready to do anything he should advise, thought it best by putting him to death to prevent any mischief he might cause, and not bring himself into difficulties by sparing a man who might make him repent of it when it would be too late. Accordingly, he was sent a prisoner out of Herod's suspicious temper to Macarus, the castle I before mentioned, and was there put to death. Now the Jews had an opinion that the destruction of his army was sent as a punishment upon Herod and a mark of God's displeasure to him. The differences in the accounts are not problems for history as they are evidence of independent sources which is exactly what we want. Before his death, John the Baptist had the opportunity to send messengers to Jesus. John had certain expectations of what the Messiah was going to be like, and he was confused when Jesus did not line up with them. The message that John sent was a question about whether or not Jesus was the one they'd been waiting for. This is an important story in that it's an example of a godly man expressing doubt. When Jesus heard the message, he did not rebuke John for his questions, but praised him for the way he fulfilled his calling. This should be a tremendous encouragement to all those who continue to question and have doubts. Eventually, John's time was up. After performing for Antipas, Herodias' daughter, based on her mother's request, asked for John the Baptist's head on a platter, and so John's ministry came to an end. This deed continued to haunt Antipas, even to the point of fearing that the miracle-working Jesus was John the Baptist risen from the dead. Before concluding, it's worth looking at the connection between John the Baptist and the Old Testament prophet Elijah. Elijah was an important and influential prophet. We're told in 2 Kings chapter 2 that Elijah was taken up to heaven without having died. In the last book of the Old Testament, there's an interesting prophecy. Look, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children, and the hearts of children to their fathers. This is from Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. This led to an expectation that Elijah would return. When John the Baptist began his ministry, his clothing, something not normally described in the Bible, is talked about as being very much like that of Elijah. There was much in common between Elijah and John, including getting in trouble with powerful rulers. Matthew 17, we find the story of the transfiguration where Jesus meets with Moses and Elijah. In Matthew 17, 11-13, Jesus seems to identify John the Baptist with Elijah. This is troubling, especially when we reflect on how John appeared. He did not drop out of heaven similar to the way Elijah left the earth. Rather, John was conceived and born the way all people are, 
although with a little bit of supernatural help. Would this make John a reincarnation of Elijah? Even that would be difficult, since Elijah never died. Not only this, but in John 1.21, John the Baptist explicitly denies being Elijah. The answer is found in Luke 1.17, where we read these words about John. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous, to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. When read all together, we find that John the Baptist is not physically Elijah, but that his ministry was in the spirit of Elijah, and he did many of the same things. One final note, the influence of John the Baptist is seen by the fact that after the death of John, and even after the death of Jesus, there were still followers of John who were inspired by his teaching and ministry. John continues to inspire many of us today. Thank you for listening to this episode. Uh, in our next episode, we're going to look at the historical sources we have for who Jesus is. In the meantime, uh, please go and check out my webpage at hopesreason.com.